Hello everyone, my name is Wais Asmal. Welcome to another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat, a show where we talk career experiences, entrepreneurship and investments. The main aim is to show that there's more than one way to be successful other than just climbing the corporate ladder. We are live on LinkedIn and YouTube and the show will be available on podcast by tomorrow. Don't forget to like, subscribe and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. If you are joining us live, drop a one in the comments so that we know we're not talking to ourselves and drop it to in the comments if you're watching the recording. My guest for this week is Noshad Maharaj, a third year trainee at the Big Four Audit Firm, who is also a former academic trainee at the University of Cape Town. He's completing his final year of his psycho training contract, and he also has experience as a radio personality. Noshad, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Ace. It's an honor, and I'm really thrilled to be here. Let's jump right in. Tell us your story. Where do you come from? And even outside of work, who is uh, Noshad Maharaj? Give us a backstory. So, full story, I was born in Durban, uh, raised in Cape Town. So, I moved here when I was three years old and never grew up in Durban at all. So, don't really, if you put me in a, if you put me in a car and tell me to drive around Durban, I'm going to get lost. Not the same story in Cape Town. Um, after high school, I took an inclination to accounting. I really enjoyed it in high school. Uh, I also enjoyed mathematics. And so in pursuing that, I said, I'm going to study accounting at UCT. Ended up doing a business science. Along that way in in high school, I also had a passion for curating music. And two of my friends, they were DJing at the time. And that was really interesting. But then I, I found radio is something I enjoyed. I enjoyed listening to the radio. I liked where it was going at that time. And so I decided that when I joined UCT, I also wanted to explore that. And I joined UCT Radio. And then after that for a little bit, I did uh, I, I did both of that through my undergrad. And then it came to postgrad. And um, with COVID hitting, that co- coincided with that. Um, so everything sort of shut down for a while. And I focused on my accounting future. Um, then the position decided, or the position opened up for me to be an academic trainee. It was something I had looked forward to since about 2018 when I found out when I've actually had an uh, academic trainees teaching me. And then, yeah, decided that I'm going to make that jump. We'll speak more about it just now, probably. But that took me to where I am today. Um, otherwise, outside of audit and accounting, I really just enjoy going for cycles or the beachside here in Cape Town. Uh, it's wonderful scenery that we have. People who go overseas and have never been yet, they say, you know, they love this Cape Town scenery more than anything else. I love spending my time there, uh, watching football, uh, and then just catching up with my friends. You know, when you get to that stage of your life now, when you you you, get, you start working, these catch-ups become more and more, like you cherish them more and more because they happen less and less. Very true, very true. And I, I mean, you mentioned it briefly, but I have to ask, Radio personality and accountant don't normally go together. Like, no, but I mean, if you take you know. take you take someone like Bruce Whitfield, um, there's where he's combining both business and radio. That wasn't necessarily my intention. I just, you know, I had interest outside of accounting, and I was like, I really liked music at the time. I was into curating playlists, and I would listen to the radio a lot. That's how I would get my music from. So I would pick up on, you know, how they do certain things, how they would read a news bulletin, or you know, welcome back to the show. We're live. This is what we're doing. We've got competitions, those kind of things. And then being able to meet those radio personalities, that was where I said, you know, um, I actually wanted to to give this a try. And I enjoyed speaking. That's why I'm also uh, here today. So I was like, I'm going to try my hand at radio, see if I can uh, 
you know, if I can push the boundaries there a little bit while I'm doing my, my accounting degree, just to sort of also, I don't just want to limit myself to saying I'm just uh, a finance and accounting graduate. I'm a CA a trainee or whatever, but I also have that other thing and it makes it interesting. Uh, and it's something I enjoy doing as well. Let's talk a little bit about being an academic trainee as well as how it's shaped you. Uh, briefly, for those who, who don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about, about what an academic trainee does. So an academic trainee is one of your first years in your three years of your psycho articles. And instead of joining your three years at, let's say, an auditing firm where I am now, or in the case of some banks, I think also allow you to do it, but it's much more restrictive there. Like the audit firms are the ones that mostly take in the academic trainees. You get to do your first year at the university, and it doesn't have to be the university that you went to. More commonly, that's where you would go because you have experience there and you've seen the impact academic trainees have on you. But I've seen in the past, and I've seen instances now where academic trainees go to a different university to get that different experience. And I was fortunate enough to go to UCT uh, where I saw, you know, in, in my final year and my penultimate year, we would get academic trainees coming in to teach us and we'd say, okay, our lecturers, with no disrespect to them, they're of a certain age group and these academic trainees, they were much younger. We could relate to them and it was very much an approachable situation. And I saw the impact they had, especially the ones that you could see where academic trainees, maybe you don't, like you don't have to have top marks, but they prepped they were passionate and they wanted to show up there. Um, and for me, that made it like, you know, I would often get asked uh, by my friends in my class group, can you explain this? They were talking about it in the lecture, but I don't understand it. Can you just explain this concept to me or deferred tax, something like that? Uh, and I would send voice notes to like my friends who would message me, uh, would send voice notes back and forth. And I realized I have a knack for this. I enjoy it. And I was pretty good at it as well. So when the time came to apply, before even the time came to apply, I set myself down. I was like, you know what? I want to be an academic trainee. So that's what guided me to sign on with an auditing firm as well in the first place. Uh, I made that very clear to them when I had the interview. And then, you know, once I applied for the position, it was about showing the staff at UCT that I was, you know, passionate about the role and that I was competent enough for the role. And when you get it, then your your duties, they... Um, they range from tutoring. Uh, you could mark set tests. Uh, we did it in the COVID time in 2021. So a lot of it also was online tutorials. And you wouldn't have a face-to-face -face consult like how students would pop into the office. You'd, you'd do telephonic consults. So I was managing quite a lot of those. And at UCT, part of the psych contract requires you to make progress in research. Not necessarily a master's degree, but UCT has that option as well, and they fund it for you. So in that instance, I was able to also pursue my master's and complete it in the year because there are programs that can be completed in the one year. And it's not impossible. It can be done. Okay, amazing. Amazing. Um, for, for the audience, we'll be responding to questions towards the end. So please add your questions to the comment section now so that we don't miss them. So after your year of academic, uh, as an academic trainee, you fall into a second year of articles. Um, my recollection of my three years of articles was a big learning curve in that three years. How did you find starting at second year when you were really expecting to lead others and know how to audit and know how to, to work on clients? Yeah, so I think let me break this up into two ways. The first one would be the challenges. And then second, for anybody who's not yet in this position, uh, how to overcome those challenges. I think 
you know, like you said, you come in as a second year, expected to have a more senior role. Maybe you, like there was an audit team I was on where there were no third years. So it was myself and two other second years. We were the leads on the audit. Uh, luckily, that was later on in the year, not my first audit. I think it's it's rough because people there already know what's going on. And now you're coming in as an academic trainee. You don't have a month off where your first years would have a month off. They'd all write ITC and then they would actually end up starting. You get about, well, when I joined, I got three to four days of training and then I was thrown into it. I was doing some debtors confirmations testing and a whole bunch of accounts receivable, accounts payable stuff. But it's trial by fire. I think what you should prepare yourself in those three months is it's going to be rough. You're going to be um, feeling like you you struggle or like you're not capable of doing it just because there is an expect some of the, some of the managers or some of the seniors they might say uh, they might look at your grade and say oh you're a second year you're capable of that but they don't know that you're an academic trainee and that you actually haven't done audit before and then I think the other thing is also just you sometimes might struggle to fit in especially when we came from the COVID times not a lot of people were in office. When I joined in 2022 still, it was still the office was quite empty for the first few weeks. So just that sort of figuring yourself around, figuring out where you are around the office as well. So those are the challenges. I think also just audit in general, like there's methodologies. Whether you go to one firm or another firm, I'm not going to mention names or use colors even, but when you go to different firms, there are different methodologies. So you have to get accustomed to that and you have to take time. And if you don't actually take the time to understand and, you know, like sometimes if you're an AT, you might think, okay, cool, I was good at financial reporting last year. I'm teaching financial reporting this year. It's not as strenuous. Whereas if you go into audit, you're like, okay, I actually need to now fully understand what it is I'm doing. I need to know that I'm executing methodology correctly, that I'm testing the right thing. I'm selecting samples correctly. All that takes time to learn. So if you, if you rush, and sometimes I am guilty of this, is like, I want to get things done then you might overlook some of those things and that can, can come back to bite you in ensuring that your first three months, you establish your foundation of the basics. So that's the challenges. How to overcome them, I would say one is ask questions, right? I had a, we have a situation here where we can actually just go, if the partner's door is open, we can go into the partner's office, knock on the door, ask them, can you have five minutes to chat? And one day I asked the partner, where do I send this bank confirmation? Because it was but late in the office, no one else was there. And uh, very graciously, he showed me how to send this thing off, which he hasn't probably done for a while. So that's one instance of it. Um, on your messages, chat to people in your team. I think the second thing that which enables that is, have two or three close friends or people in your class that you were with who will then be in second year when you were in second year who've gone through first year. So I had at least three friends who I knew I could count on. I could bother for the first two, three weeks and say, hey, I need to do this. Please show me how to do it. Um, and I think that's very important. I think also just speak up. If you join a team and the manager says, all right, Nashad, you're going to be in charge of this, this, and that. The first year did it or the second year last year did it and you feel like it's it's going to be overwhelming, chat to the manager. If it's not in front of everyone else, grab the manager aside and say, listen, I'm a first year, or I, I'm a second year, but I, I have the skills and abilities of a first year. I'm still learning. Um, I'm happy to do this, but can you uh, just like understand also that I'm going to take a bit longer and ask them if they can help the, get the senior to help coach you or at least you know be able to to answer questions if you have them because that's going to give you, that, that will help you settle in 
And I think then just paying attention in training. You also have to balance APC that year. But as long as you're paying attention in your first three to four weeks of training, it can be boring. It can be tedious. Sometimes a lot of people say training just goes over the top. Pay attention as much as you can because where I came from, I had that three, four weeks before the big training where I was able to actually dive into the deep end, do some practical work. And then attending training, I actually, it, it sort of clicked a lot better. So that helps. That's my advice. That's how the transition was for me. And by, I think by about May or so, I didn't have that fear or that gut feeling anymore. I was comfortable balancing my APC and the work. Um, the managers and I were on good levels and, you know, there was a good relationship and I had my friends around that helped. You mentioned drawbacks and benefits. So what, 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 what are the benefits of, of being an academic trainee and then coming into article? A lot of people sum it up and say, well, it's at least it's not audit. And, you know, audit has that connotation <laughs> depending on how you go about it. But I think more than just that, it's especially if you are passionate about teaching, about developing other skills other than just auditing, I think it gives you a good experience of like, okay, so we got to invigilate, which means you then got to take control of an exam venue. And when you're taking control of an exam venue, you got to be able to project your voice. You got to be able to keep students under control at six o'clock in the evening. They want to go home afterwards. You got to make sure that everything is going according to plan though. Um, side note, very a detailed story or like a very specific story a student 10 minutes into an exam i was in or a test i was invigilating had uh some sort of seizure and oh, knocked God. his head on a table and no he was fine afterwards thank goodness but in that moment it's like we had a briefing beforehand where they said if there's medical issues this is what you need to do how to keep everyone else calm and i think like those kind of things you don't experience elsewhere um, when you're taking a class of 300 people and you're trying to teach them how to account for a lease, those kind of things, those are your, your benefits, you know, being able to develop those skills of presentations, public speaking. Uh, and just like when you go into a meeting, you won't be shy to speak up anymore because you were the one speaking up last year when people were listening to you. And then I think just the drawbacks come from, I'll list more benefits now, but I think the drawbacks come from that transition phase you know you don't have that experience people at the firm maybe may look down on you and say oh you've only had two years of accounting experience especially if you if you develop your technical expertise in that area that you become an academic trainee in you might want to contribute uh but you might face a little bit of like maybe they won't take you at that seriously and then i think the second thing is just balancing the first three to four months of catching up uh, being able to onboard yourself with the methodology, the firm's practices, maybe the technologies they use on their laptops, and then also with your APC prep, just doing basic audit work and being able to um, prepare a working paper. Those are the drawbacks. Just to go back, sorry, to one or two benefits also from a UCT perspective, and I can't speak for the other universities, unfortunately, but being able to do the master's, and being able to be given the freedom to do it in conjunction with the teaching program. I think that was one of the most invaluable benefits I've ever had. And then I think just also with academic traineeship at UCT, it's flexible where you're not required to, I'm sorry, that's another drawback as well, but we'll come back to that. You're not required to work from eight to five and account for a full eight hours in the day. Not saying that you, you're not working, but if your work is getting done at different times in the day, and as long as your work is getting done, you don't account for that time. So if you're taking a break a Tuesday morning on 11 a.m., but you've set the test last night, then your work is done. Nobody is going to follow up on you. Whereas in audit, you have to get used to 
these are working hours, team meeting is at this time, you cannot go play tennis at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning because we have a kickoff meeting, uh, which I was able to do in my academic traineeship year because all the work was done. Tutorials only started at two and I was like, okay, let's go play some tennis. We'll come back and we'll take the tutorials. <laughs> Sorry, but those are those the, the ins and outs. No, um, no, that's a great, a great one. It gives us, gives us a good, a good yeah. idea. Um, after articles, it seems like most academic trainees go into lecturing or technical roles. What if someone is entrepreneurial? Is there space for someone like that as an academic trainee? I think so. Um, I definitely think, you know, academic traineeship is aimed at people who want to be technically proficient, but that doesn't stop you from getting those soft skills that come with, you know, let's say you're an entrepreneur, you need to pitch an idea. You need to be able to present to people that you've never, you've never seen before, who don't know you very well. Um, and, you know, in a class, you're teaching them about something they don't know. In a pitch, you're explaining to them something that they don't know that you want them to know. Uh, so you get that. That's just one comparison as an example. And I think also just, again, from getting, getting your perspective outside of audit, you, you have access to people at university who you speak to. You can really start developing ideas for your product. Um, when you come to an audit, yes, okay, you're an audit firm for three years, you're there. But by doing both, you actually spend one year of your three years somewhere else. So you get two perspectives, especially if you're curating this idea already from your postgraduate years before you start your articles. It's, I think it adds a layer of, you know, when you're doing your research onto your product or your whatever you want to be bring to the space as an entrepreneur. So I think there are benefits to it. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, okay, so you in your third year now, uh, or your mm -hmm. final year, if you don't mind me asking, if you can talk about what's next for you, what options are you considering if you are comfortable talking about it? So that's interesting because um, we've been, that's been a chat for the past couple of weeks. You know, what are you planning to do next year? And I, I'm going to say I don't know, not because I haven't decided, but because I have these options that I've, I'm undecided on. So I do have plans for what I would like to do. But personally, I'm going to apply to a range of options, including staying on at the firm, looking at options uh, within the firm, but outside of uh, audit. And then also looking at uh, possibly returning to the uh, the lecturing space. I haven't built it out yet, but I would like to maybe look at developing myself outside of the academic world before returning. It's something people say to me, oh, you, 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 you are going to go back there one day and you do enjoy it. And I do enjoy it. And I probably will go back there one day. But whether that's next year, I'm not entirely sure yet. I'd like to myself out there see what uh, opportunities are available to me um, and you know a lot of CAs at or prospective CAs at this point consider the international um, to transfer internationally and I'm also thinking about that as well so now is very much the season where these applications are starting to, to happen I'm going to put myself out there see what comes but I'm very passionate about personally like having been a financial reporting academic trainee about uh, solving problems from an efforts perspective and being able to provide accounting treatments to like where I'm at with my firm. A lot of people come to me and say, can you just help me understand this first paragraph? Can you explain this thing to me today? Sorry, a friend of mine messaged me was like, can you explain to me again what practical expedient was? And I was like, let's just quickly uh, bring the summarizers for you in five minutes. So that's uh, kind of thing. That kind of thing is taking my fancy. If I can get a role like that, that's possibly where I'm going to be seeing myself this time next year, let's say. But 
if you ask me this time in five years, I can't give you a definitive answer because, you know, these days you, you really can't do that. If you asked everyone in 2018, they wouldn't have predicted who we are now. No, definitely. Definitely mm. not. Definitely not. Let's move over to questions from the audience. Uh, we've got a mm -hmm. question here from uh, Bevelina who says, um, sorry, that was the, the main question that she wanted to ask was, what techniques did you use to balance work and academics? Okay, so within the academic training year, which was 2021, uh, very much timetabling and scheduling. Uh, one thing I like to do was try and keep to a timetable, use your, your work calendar, your Outlook, or your, your Google calendar to, to schedule things. So like, okay, you know you're going to have meetings, whatever. And I would use that also because it's digital it's flexible i don't have to like a color is very nice as well but if you're coloring in with a pen you're gonna have to redraw schedule many times as things change um so having it on there was able for me to say okay this week i have a due date on friday for my literature review i have two tutorials wednesday thursday so which nights am i going to be working what i'm going to do in the morning um i think that's very important uh as an academic trainee at uct you do get leave as well so using that to you know, maybe take some leave, get some rest, but then also further your academic progress. But I think also uh, with that balance is speaking up. And uh, I had someone reach out to me last year who was struggling. And I said, look, your your boss, who's your course convener at the university, is, is going to be very um, sympathetic to, you know, if you have this issue, where can you compromise? Um, but I think also the academic training year is built in that, you know, if you do your tutorials for the week and you have your consults, the rest of your time is your own. So as long as you structure it, there is enough time to get that sorted. As for, now, just also another side thought, another thing I thought of when I heard this question is, as for your, your second year, when you come into to the firm, all the second year are going to be writing APC. So you're going to be in boat with them. And I think there is also just a matter of, you know, they, I've, I've heard before where you have fights about leave and managers or whatever, not wanting to give leave. I, where I am, we've actually been able to, we have a leave policy that's very supportive. So as long as you have that upfront discussion, tell the manager that my APC is on X date. I won't be working these two days. Uh, they'll take it into account. And I think that's the best technique you can use to balance it. And then also do something fun. Your life cannot be around financial statements all the time. So you need to also find something, whether it's curating a music playlist, going out for a jog, uh, painting, uh, solving problems or like puzzles, math, whatever. Whatever takes you fancy, do something else as well and put that into your schedule. Uh, as an example, like it was my cousin's birthday the one day. So like the whole day, we're going to have a party. Put that in my schedule so I know Saturday I'm not working. I need work around that. So maybe I will work a Friday night so that I can enjoy the Saturday. Makes a lot of so sense. So I hope that helps. Definitely makes a lot of sense. It seems you've answered some of the questions that are here already, so I'm not going to bring them up. But this is one question I like to ask all my guests. What is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? What is your... Okay, let me think a little bit about it. piece of advice I would give myself is don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, and I think that was the one thing that took me a while. I'd say, you know, specifically, it was like, took me a while to settle into my firm, but also just in general, it's, it's got me to where I am today a little bit, but I could have actually done a lot more is ask questions. And it, it's not just sort of like asking to gain knowledge, but also it's sometimes, you know, ask if there's something that you want uh, and you're not sure if it will happen. Just ask if you want to take a day off leave somewhere. 
ask because what have you really got to lose in asking for leave? You know, uh, it's those kind of things. And we might feel like we're, we're as we, we're developing, uh, we're not capable enough to ask those questions. And those there's been things before where I was like, I don't know if I should go ahead with this. And I never asked the question. And if I asked the question, maybe I would have actually been able to go ahead with something or, or start something or, or make a career decision. And I think that's the biggest advice I'd give myself is, is to ask and I think to speak up as well. I think that's great advice. Any last few words from you or anything we didn't discuss that you'd like the audience to know? Not particularly. I just think from a perspective of one thing we didn't discuss was um, at a PGDA level. So for those who are now contemplating where to go for their first year of articles, um, a lot of times people find out about the academic traineeship too late or they don't know enough about it to apply. And I think um, if you're in March of your PGDA year, you've got a lot of time. A couple of things. Don't let marks deter you. I failed two of my tests in PGDA. And I still made it. Uh, I got a very good mark for financial reporting, which is why I was in that department. I think then also um, ask your, speak to your academic trainees about it. If you're unsure, as an academic trainee who's been there before you, speak to them and find out why did they make the decision. Because there's maybe something that will sway you. And then finally with that one, you have to be signed to a firm. It doesn't necessarily have to be an audit firm. Audit firms are the common ones, but I've heard of some banks doing it as well. So if you aren't signed, when you are going through the signing process, speak to your firm about it. If you are signed, start having that discussion now already. Some of the firms have very tight competition for it. So if you make it known that you want to be an academic trainee, they will hopefully prioritize that earlier rather than later in the process. And then if you're unsure, again, like I said earlier, you have nothing to lose with the academic traineeship because you must already be signed to a firm. So Go ahead and apply. When that offer comes, you can you can make a decision if you're having second thoughts. But generally, most happened to a friend of mine. He wasn't sure. He got the offer. He said me. I was like, I got the offer. We are we're doing it, and we ended up doing it. Now we're both third year at the same firm, and no regrets. We both completed our masters as well. So um, that's just my advice from a PGA PGDA perspective. Uh, it always creeps in. It's like you mentioned earlier, the worry, what if I don't catch on? Uh, what if I miss a year? What's going to happen? Don't worry about that in, in, in your PGDA year because that will very much be sorted when you get to your second year. Um, if you follow some of the things, like I said, ask the questions, have a support group. Someone was unsure last year and she reached out to me. I told her, do you have a friend working for you at your firm when you join next year? She's like, yeah. It's like, just be in touch with that person. Go for dinner once every two months with that person. Uh, ask her to, to take you to one of the firm events so you can introduce yourself to the people. Uh, that way you keep in touch with them. They don't forget you. And then they all, they also know you a bit before you get there. They're like, oh, you were the AT. All right, let's see how we can support you. And uh, yeah, I see Bevelina just in the comments says going through PGDA. Hopefully if this inspires you to consider it or at least gets you through PGDA as well, then, you know, then it's a job well done. I think that's a great way to end. The show has been live on YouTube and should be available on podcast by tomorrow. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast and you feel that it's added value, don't forget to like, subscribe, and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. Mashat, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Wes. Appreciate it. And all the best to everyone out there. Good luck. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat. Goodbye.